This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? You guys never, well, I guess what they don't, they, they probably haven't heard that episode when we're recording this yet. Well, they yeah. haven't, but I totally forgot we came up with that name. Yeah. Um, um, seriously, keep letting us know if you like that, the practitioners. Well, when you um, just said it, I was like, oh, I forgot we did that. And yeah. I kind of liked it. Yeah. Uh, let us know if you like it, because if you don't, I'm going to keep introducing episodes and talking about you guys as the protect, the, the practitioners. Um, yeah. And I think I'm going to support that. And we will. So just so you know, for all of our podcasts and our, our church at large, we are building um, like we're taking notes on merch that we're going to start right. putting out and we're going to push it. And uh, I think when we get to a thousand downloads a month uh, is when we'll do it. And right now we're at about um, on each podcast no no, no total one. across the four thousand downloads a month we're um we're not quite there yet but we're not far at the rate we're growing it won't be long yeah um this podcast actually looked earlier today it's doing pretty well the this analytics one? are doing pretty well huh last in i checked lo- this was our lowest performing one in the last seven days we had 160 percent growth 160 percent did you see what episodes those growth that growth has come from? Uh, it came from the caregiver. All righty. Yeah. We need to make note of that. We need to do some more work on hospitality there. Uh, absolutely. Because that's a, a problem, though, that people don't really fully understand. Is Well. I mean, we don't foster that in the American church. Well, and how often you just hear people say, like, nobody cares about me. Yeah. So when you talk about caregiving it it definitely meets a need yeah but today we are talking about you the intellectual yes so the final pathway of gary thomas's book sacred pathways is what he calls the intellectual and as you know i I have two predominant pathways one is the activist and the other one is the intellectual and it seems, honestly, it seems a bit self-explanatory. Yeah. It is someone who loves God through understanding and study. Yeah. The document that we've been working through says intellectuals love God with their mind, their hearts, their mind and their hearts. Let me start over. <laughs> Intellectuals love God with their mind and their hearts are open to a new attentiveness when they understand something new about God. These people worship through intense study, apologetics, and intellectual pursuits of their faith. Yeah, so good example of that. For me, it's probably obvious at this point, but I'm now working on my third degree in theology and faith. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. Some might yeah. call that an overachiever. I call it the intellectual pathway, but right, that's just how you worship God. Yeah, it's just a way in which I experience God. Um, for me, studying God, and and what 
and other views about God in order to answer hard questions. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you that a question that came up during my own deconstruction, you know, I, we talk about it often. We grew up in fundamentalism. And if you're unfamiliar with fundamentalism, one of the things is um, just a very kind of rigidity about the person of God. God is the supreme being of creation. And that's a very acceptable viewpoint. Yeah. But if you have that viewpoint, you got to have a really good explanation for the Holocaust. If God is the ultimate supreme being, then you got to have an answer why the ultimate supreme being allows genocide. You have to talk about the, the problem of evil. Yeah, you have to. And um, so for me in deconstruction, like it just came to a point where I was like, the, like I just can't, I can't think about it like this. If, if there's a God that is 100% all powerful and yet allowed this, this is not a God I care to worship. Yeah. I've got to come up with a different answer. Yeah. And so for me in searching out that answer, I found myself closer to God than I'd ever been in presumably searching for an answer to a question that could have pushed me away from the faith. Yeah. But actually it drew me in closer. Yeah. Um, and that's something that a lot of people I think need to be careful with too. Right. Um, walking through these hard questions that potentially could push you away from the faith. Um, intellectuals, they worship God through study. Yeah. Right. And, I know if, if you're a listener on all of our podcasts, we talk about some things that are kind of difficult, right? And sometimes extremely controversial, um, theologically speaking, that is. And on Let's Talk, we talk about things that are socially controversial. But Oh, Let's Talk is just controversial. <laughs> like, it's just defined as controversial. It's controversial yeah. on every topic point, well, every structure. And the reason it is, it's because it's the intersection of faith and culture. And right? both are controversial subjects. They're both controversial subjects, and they don't flow together very well. They not, should. That's why, that's why it's an intersection. Right. Collisions happen at intersections. Yeah. Um, and so, as you're listening to these things... It, and if you're you're struggling and you're you're working through this in your in your stomach and maybe like you feel a bit nauseous because you're anxious about all of it, um, understand that uh, as we talked about on Pines of Perspectives, there are essentials and non-essentials of faith, right? Um, and if you're not familiar with that, go listen to our episodes on the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. Um, well, we detail out essentials and non-essentials in the very first episode. Yes. Episode one. So if if you don't have time to go back and listen to all, all of them, just go back and listen to the first episode. Um, and if those are things that you can connect with, then it's okay. Right. Yeah. Um, everything else doesn't matter. Yeah. They're, they're non-essentials. Um, they, they might matter to you specifically. Um, but don't, don't be anxious about these things. Don't, don't 
feel nauseous. If you're like me, when you get anxious, you get nauseous. And sometimes some of the things we talk about on here, I feel a little bit of gurgling going on and it's not good. Yeah. Um, so just be careful. Um, but don't, don't stress about it. Well, I do think for me, it's important because I know a lot of people who left the faith because, or let me say they left all expressions of faith. I don't think they deny Jesus, Yeah, but they left expressions of faith because when they began to doubt and deconstruct, nobody gave them space to do that. And they were ostracized because they were doing that. Yeah. And so they left. Um, yeah. And so for me as an intellect, I need space to do that as, yeah. as someone who is constantly studying. I mean, if you stepped in my office books, you might be shocked at how many books there are given my age books everywhere. And Here's the deal. That's something we need to do. We need to do a walkthrough of your office so we can see all your books. Maybe so. But the crazy thing, I've gotten rid of maybe f- half of that over again. Yeah. Or or also have a ton of books on, on both audiobook and Kindle. Mm-hmm. Like I am constantly studying and and I don't study people just like me. Yeah. I constantly find myself studying Catholic theologians. Yeah. Or studying um what are the what are the people that do um like generational studies? The people that study like millennials and Gen Z's oh, and Gen Xers. Uh, yeah. They're not anthropologists. They're not social workers. They're, I don't know. They're not but, sociologists either. Yes, they are. Are you yes, sure? They are. They're sociologists. Yeah, thank you. Um, I find myself reading those kind of books too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just read a variety of different things. And when you verse yourself in a variety of different topics, you end up pretty regularly wrestling with a question yeah um it's pretty easy to just continue to feed yourself if you're never challenging yourself yeah um and that that's one of the things gary talks about is intellectuals end up being quite controversial and contrarian yeah because they're constantly learning and pushing themselves to limits that very few other people are yeah yeah, um, no, for sure. Uh, as you guys know, um, I don't know what my pathway is yet. Um, I don't think that this one is me. I'm guessing not. Just knowing you, I'm guessing not. I don't think this one is me. Um, I'm also a six on the Enneagram, um, which so sixes could, could be, be a wing five. Um, I, I am a wing five. Okay, so you might be then. Um, yeah, but I think I I probably relate more to the sensate um, in a lot of ways and maybe in some ways to the traditionalist. And um, I definitely don't think this one is me. Um, but the, the deal is 
Right. Um, we're supposed to pull from all of these pathways, right? Mm -hmm. So you as in this pathway, um, what is some things that our listeners could try to pull from this pathway? Yeah, fair point. Um, a few things. I think some prototypical uh, or stereotypical elements of this pathway would be biblical study. Just studying the Bible above, above devotional kind of readings, mm. but like truly studying for the, the deeper thing that's happening there. Um, and this is why we talk about the Bible as the quote unquote living word of God Yeah, is because I don't think that God literally took over in a trance someone's body and dictated the exact words that are going to happen. Yeah. But I do think God actively speaks through the Bible. And so for someone who's just reading it for the first time, they will see things that will be mightily impactful. Yeah. But how is that also true for someone who's been reading it for 40 years, studying it, right? How do New Testament professors continue their journey of spiritual formation 40 years in still through reading the Bible? Because it's the active living word of God and they're digging deeper and deeper and deeper into it to find another level of meaning. Not to say that that level of meaning contradicts an earlier level, right? but it just speaks to them in a new way. Yeah. Um, so I, deep, I, intensive biblical study is one. I had someone tell me years ago um, when, when I was in middle school, um, you also went to this Bible study at a, a different time than I did, but I went to this Bible study for a long, long I went to this long, Bible study for long, a while for, for a long time as well. Uh, but I was in middle school yeah. and it was the men's Bible study at our church. Yeah. Um, and the men in this church and were, I ended up on staff at this church. So I went for a long yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, I went to this Bible study, the men's Bible study, um, at it was 5, 5 a.m. 5 a.m. 5 a.m. And they didn't serve breakfast. No. There was coffee. Kind of. It was Folgers, but there was coffee. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I say kind of. Folgers is coffee adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, definitely there was, not good coffee. There was coffee, coffee um, but... I, I don't know. I was in middle school. I didn't care. It was coffee. I needed coffee. Um, I wasn't snooty about coffee yet. But in, in, in one of these Bible studies, I got really close to, to one of the men that went to the study. And he looked at me. And, and there was, I was there just kind of studying with him. Occasionally, I would throw an anecdote in. Um, but most of the time, I was just watching and listening. And, and so lots of times, they would look over to me and say, hey, Clayton this is something that might be valuable for your life. And one time, um, one of the men looked at me and said, Clayton, I have read the Bible cover to cover countless times. And I can read the same verse over and over again. But a year from now, it could mean something totally different to me. Yeah. 
living and breathing, living and breathing. Um, And I think that that's extremely important to realize is that as you read scripture and you're applying it to your life now, um, it's not always, sometimes it is cut and dry, right? There are times that it's black and white. A lot of times there's some gray there. Yeah, I don't, I've talked about this with you. I don't know if I ever talked about it on the podcast, but if anyone tells me they have the interpretation of a parable, I'm just calling, I'm just calling bull spit. Yeah. There's not a single interpretation of a parable. No. By its very nature, there's multiple interpretations of a parable. There has to be. Yeah. Um, so like, I just, I don't think that's true. Um, one of my mentors, um, is Dr. Dwayne Brooks, the pastor of Tallowood Baptist church here in Houston. And, I think, I don't know, we've never talked about it, but I think he would also be an intellect. Okay. I mean, he's a pastor, and he has a PhD. Not a demon. A PhD. He has a PhD. From, and and not from a seminary. Yeah. For, from Baylor. Yeah. So for for our um, our listeners, especially when it comes to ministry, it's, it's important to understand that the, the PhD is more of the intellectual side. And the demon is more of the application side. Um, it can be. The PhD, you can do research for the sake of research. Here's the way yeah. I like to explain it. PhD can do research for the sake of research. A demon, you gotta solve a problem. Yeah. You gotta identify a problem and you gotta solve it. That that's sort of the application that I was going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in social work, if you're interested, we have something very similar. You can get a PhD in social work, which is more intellectual and research based. But the the DSW, the doctorate of social work. Is more application based. Yeah. So most fields have something equivalent of this, yeah. if there is an applicable side. Right. Right. I mean, there's no like doctorate of anthropology. There's a yeah. PhD in anthropology right. because uh, it's predominantly theory based. Yeah. But. Yeah. Exactly. So. So with that, but also you can get an MD, right, a medical doctor, yeah. or you can get a PhD in medicine. Right. So like there are, you can definitely do this in most fields. But I definitely think that if I had to guess, he would be an intellect. And he reads the Bible cover to cover every single year, and every year he changes translations. Hmm. Man is fluent in reading Greek and Hebrew and, I think, Aramaic. Doesn't read it except when he's writing sermons. For devotional reading, for other purposes, he reads... Just English translations, and every year he picks a different translation. That's interesting. It's gold. That is interesting. Because you see things, and you're like, you you may have memorized a verse, and he, and I also think he's an intellect in this way because he's constantly trying to memorize verses. Right. He's also the guy that will memorize whole poems for the introduction to his sermons. That's cool. Yeah, he's just that's he's, cool. He's brilliant. He's great. Dwayne, if you're listening, I love you so much. But <laughs> um and we have a great at Wellhouse, we have a great like affinity for Tallowood because they are our sponsor church. Yeah. Official as of the week we're recording this, it is official last week. Yeah. So that's big news for us. But Anyways, he, he goes through and reads the Bible every year, all, cover to cover, and 
I try to. I don't think I do it every year. Um, I get probably 80, 85% read. I get lost sometimes in like Levitical laws and that kind of stuff. Like I never quite make it through those. Um, it's just so dense. Yeah. I will say I used to have a problem making it through lamentations, Mm. but then I started realizing like we don't do a good job of lamenting Mm. and that's partly because we don't give space for people to lament. Yeah. And then I realized like, Oh wait, this is important. There's a whole freaking book of the Bible dedicated to lament and the idea of lament. Maybe I should read this thing. Yeah. So finally I actually made it through lamentations for like the third or fourth time now. Maybe that's something we need to come back to on this podcast is space for lament. Oh yeah. On here and let's talk. Yeah. I think they're both different, different spins on that idea. I think, I think that's something we should do. But yeah, as an intellect, I think, um, biblical study is a common one. Apologetics is another common one. So I think he doesn't know this. I think our dad is probably an intellect. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, and I remember at one point in his life, he was like super into apologetics. Oh yeah. So like, go ahead and define apologetics. Like defending the faith. Okay. That would be like the most basic uh, definition of apologetics is like you finding a way to defend your faith. Like, so debating about the faith, right? Yeah, so you can have cultural apologetics, you can have philosophical apologetics, you have biblical apologetics, historical, whatever. There are a number of different methods for apologetics, but apologetics is always defending your faith. Um, If you're looking for an apologetic book, I think one of the best ones is called Christianity on Trial, written by a guy named Mark Lanier, who I'm hoping to get on Let's Talk to talk about this very book. Mark Lanier, if you're listening, please come. Please do this. Yeah, he's not listening. Yeah, Um, he should be. (laughs) Yeah, he's a very, very successful trial lawyer. Yeah. And he owns the Lanier Theological Library in Houston. I mean, just a great guy. And wrote this book, and he he puts Christianity on trial like he would in a courtroom. Yeah, just fantastic. Uh, so that there are different ways to do apologetics, but our dad got really into apologetics yeah, for a while. I don't think he's still there. I don't think he like loves apologetics, but he's not interested in it the way that he once was. Uh, yeah, I think you might be surprised. Really? Yeah. Before he was talking about it all the time. Yeah. I never hear him talk about it anymore. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a conversation we need to have with him a bit more, but yeah, I think Maybe you so. might be surprised. Bless you. Bless you. Excuse me. Ooh. That was, that was gnarly. Yeah. Uh, hadn't had a sneeze like that in a while. <laughs> I did play golf yesterday, so maybe my allergies are acting up a bit. Yeah, growing up with him, um, we used to make fun of his, like, Violent sneezes. Yeah, it's true. They emotionally abused me for the better half of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and check out last yesterday's episode of Let's Talk if you didn't catch that joke. Uh, we um, did not emotionally abuse him no, because of his joke. sneezing. No, it was a joke. Uh, for other reasons, but not my sneezing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, as as an intellect, I think biblical study is one. I think apologetics is another one. Also, think theological studies is another one. Um, or maybe systematic theology would be a better way to talk about it. Um, because truly, and this is something that we we didn't grow up with. I didn't have a construct for this. I thought that all theology had to be biblical theology. Mm. I thought all theology, and this is this is one of the core premises, uh, premises of fundamentalism, is that like, the Bible is supreme in everything. And so, and specifically in our vein of fundamentalism, we we were what's called primitive. So, primitive means that not only can the Bible not reject it, it also has to affirm it. Yeah. Not only is the Bible authoritative, right, but it has to affirm and not reject it. Yeah. So it's both. There are some people who would say, as long as the Bible doesn't reject it, it's fair game. I don't think that was our vein. Uh, that may have been our parents, but that wasn't the vein of the tradition that we were in. Right. And so... In that, I thought all theology had to be done from the Bible. And so I would ask these questions, like like I'd hear that Catholics believe in purgatory. Like, well, where do you get that in the Bible? And like, oh, well, we don't really get it from anywhere. Like, we just get it in our systematic theology. Like, well, that can't be right. Yeah. Well, and here I am 10, 15 years later, and I have a Protestant view of purgatory, like, in my theology. Um <clears throat> Because I do think there is the Bible is limited in what we know about it, right? Even John tells us Jesus did many, many more miracles than this. But if we recorded them all, there's not enough pages in the world to fill it. Like, yeah. doesn't exist. So it's like we know that what we have is limited. So it's okay to reach outside of that and think about systematic theology, yeah, which is biblical grounded, but it's not fully and wholly derived from the Bible. Yeah. So this is where we would get into conversations in systematic theology about the supremacy of God, about God's divine intervention, about his supreme being, about his omnis, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent kind of things. Yeah. This is where we would build those. This is where you would get a doctrine of the Trinity. So once again, to all the primitive people, if if you say that you only do theology from the Bible, well, that's not true. Because the Trinity is not in the Bible. Yeah, it's never talked about. Um, Definitely in the way that we've talked about it. Yeah. If you believe that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, again, never you didn't get that from the Bible. Yeah. In fact, Jesus is never called God. Yeah. He's called the Word. Mm. He's called the Son of God. Yeah. He's called Messiah, but he's never called God. Yeah. Just like God the Father. Like, he's never called Yahweh. Yeah. So, like, I think um, it's okay to do systematic theology as an intellectual. Now, there you can veer into heresy, but, like, I do so think— So be careful with that. Yeah, once again, be careful. Um, another one that I think intellectuals do, and this is maybe— I think this idea of the intellectual 
is more prevalent in traditions other than our own because I don't think our tradition in general values this, and that's church history. Mm. If you really find yourself getting caught up about the activity of God throughout the history of the church and studying patristic theology or medieval theology or Reformation theology or reading biographies of fathers of the faith, yeah, those are intellectual sins. Yeah, I think that there is a part of me that might be an intellectual then based on that. I used to love reading about John Wesley. Just John or Charles too? Just John. I mean, I've read about Charles too, but um, I really enjoyed it. Like when I was in middle school, early high school, okay. reading about John Wesley. A lot. Interesting. So I will tell you, I'm I'm not a huge, I don't love reading biography. Yeah. I would much rather read um, like just nonfiction monographs. Yeah. Um, but I force myself to read. I try to read at least one a year. Um, I'd like to read more just cause I think there's a lot of value in reading biography, mm-hmm. but, um, there's a lot of really good biographies that are written about fathers of the faith yeah. that help put them in a, like in a context that helps you better understand what they're doing. Right. Um, you know, so like I, you know, you can understand who Martin Luther is and what he does with the 95 theses. But if you just think he's some disgruntled old man or disgruntled young man that's frustrated with Catholic theology and wants to abandon it to its core, you've severely missed Martin's point. Yeah. Martin actually regretted at the end of his life. This is recorded in his writings, regrets writing the 95 theses. Do you remember why? I don't know why. Because it caused division that he never meant to cause. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay. never meant to leave the Catholic faith. He never wanted to be excommunicated. He only wanted to reform his own tradition. Yeah. And remember, the big thing with Martin Luther was not about salvation. Yeah. It was about the way in which salvation was accomplished. Because Martin wasn't against indulgences. Yeah. Martin was against selling indulgences. Right. And so if you don't understand that greater context, and especially about the the selling indulgences piece, because they were trying to build a new cathedral, Mm. and selling indulgences was a way to fund that cathedral. And so if you don't understand that greater history there, that greater context and construct, you miss really a whole lot of what Martin's doing there. Yeah. Which is what intellects are trying to do. They're trying to understand the greater picture. Yeah. Um, so you know what? We have for every other episode talked about um, biblical characters that represent this. Um, we haven't done this for the intellectual yet and we're 30 minutes in. I've got an idea. I don't know if Gary talks about it. Um, Gary doesn't do... Um a main biblical character for this. But what about, what about Paul? Yeah. So he's a good one. Um, Paul seems to be a very learned man. Yeah. Uh, he would kind of have to be. Um, 
from his background before. Well, and then not just that, you have those pieces of the quote-unquote silent years. Yeah. We don't know how long, but he goes to Achaia. Yeah. And for a season, and it could be three years, it could be ten years. We don't know exactly how long, but presumably he's studying. Yeah. He's trying to work out this issues with his his theology. He's trying to reformulate it in light of Jesus. Um, he's deconstructing. Yeah. Another one would be Luke. Mm. So Luke tells us in Luke chapter one that he's writing this to give an accurate account of the witness of Jesus. Yeah. That many other accounts have been written, but he wants to give an accurate account. Uh, and we also know from Acts, well, we know from Acts that Luke traveled with Paul, so knows Paul pretty intimately. And we know from church tradition that Luke was a physician, which means pretty educated. Yeah. Luke's never, Luke doesn't name himself as the author right. of Luke. So, um, so he might be one. Um, I'm trying to think um, of some other examples that we might have. Um, one might say Solomon. Mm, yeah. Because he's the quote-unquote wisest man that ever lived. Yeah. Um, wisdom and knowledge are not exactly the same thing, but no. I don't think intellects are removed from wisdom as a source of intellectualism. Um, That's... Uh, to be debated in another conversation, but yeah. Yeah, so I think you could potentially point to Solomon um, there. Um, yeah, so you got a list. A um, few options there. I'm not 100% sold. So I'm definitely sold on Paul. Oh, 100%. Paul seems to be an intellect, for sure. Yeah. Um, Luke, definitely... Solomon, not so sure about. I'm also thinking to myself, potentially Joseph. Mm. Um, maybe. Uh, I'm suspect on him and Solomon. Um, uh, John, maybe. John the Apostle? Yeah. Well, so why do you think that? Um, he's a fisherman. Yeah, but just because he's a fisherman doesn't mean... I mean, our dad works uh, worked construction for so long. He's not. Yeah, but dad can read. Uh, I mean, I guess that's fair. John doesn't have his three R's. <laughs> fair, fair. John's I mean, missing his reading, writing, and arithmetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, fair. I don't know. Um, yeah. Okay. So, not totally sure who your biblical characters would be, but if you find yourself in a book. Often, or if you find yourself constantly studying deep theological truths in the Bible, you might be an intellect. And if yeah. you're not an intellect, pick up a biography on Martin Luther, or pick up a biography on John Calvin, or, or just um, pick up like a commentary or something. Um, commentaries are so hard. I would are. much rather somebody pick up a biography than a commentary. Okay. So listen to your pastor. Go pick up a biography. Yeah, commentary, because you could just, people are trying to do too many different things with commentary. There are a lot of really good biographies written about fathers of the faith. Yeah. Um, or just even pick up one of those 
monographs that's like X amount, X number of people that every Christian should know. Like oh, 40 yeah. people every Christian should know. Just get you a brief synopsis of, of who these people are and where they're situated in the, the line of faith. Yeah, no, that's good. So if, if any of this sounded like you, if you're a bit of an existential thinker and deep thinker, and um, honestly, if you would call yourself an intellect, that probably means that you're an intellect because it means you've thought about it. Yep. And it means that you're probably an intellect. So, yeah. Enjoy being an intellect. Yeah, enjoy it. Um, Embrace it. And uh, do your thinking.